Good morning. Well, my name's Tom, and uh, I enjoy leading East End Church. Uh, yeah, so uh, I haven't always led church. Uh, that wasn't, they're even impressed. I haven't always led church. For 25 years, I worked on building sites. I was a roofer, and uh, five and a half years ago, I put my tools down, and we started what is now known as East End Church, uh, and it's been a lot of fun, and we've got a lot of people here that have come up, and we're enjoying it. And today, what we're going to be talking about is relationship goals. Okay, you up for that? To be honest with you, I didn't even know that relationship goals was a thing until a couple of weeks ago. And then when you look on the website, on the, on the YouTube and all this sort of stuff, and they talk about relationship goals, that's not what I'm going to tell you about. There's like lots of pictures of people pulling duck faces and taking selfies with their boyfriend, looking really smug that everything's going nice. I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm not going to talk about uh, what you're meant to do in a Christian relationship. Because there's lots of opportunities and lots of other people that will be able to tell you that in great detail. They can tell you where you're meant to put your willy, where you're not meant to put your willy. They can tell you all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to talk about any of that. What I'm going to talk about is why we do these things. Why we live in certain ways. Are you up for that? Okay, so let me read something from the Bible, from Ephesians 3. It says this. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom... Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, so pray with me before we start. Is that okay? So Jesus, we... We don't just want information to be passed from one head to another. Lord, I pray for an impartation of faith, an impartation of grace. I thank you that this is a safe place, that, Lord, we're allowed to ask difficult questions. And, Jesus, I pray, help me to communicate something that will change hearts and bring Jesus much glory today. Amen. So there's uh, two neighbours living next to each other. And uh, they got this arrangement, when they, this is a true story by the way, and they got this arrangement that when they go on holiday, they look after each other's pets. And uh, so this family's going on holiday and they've got this little rabbit. And they, they go on holiday and the next day, the family that are next door to them go in and they find the rabbit dead. Uh, no, 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 what happens the dog comes in, the dog escapes, runs next door, comes back with the rabbit in its mouth. Okay, so they're mortified, absolutely mortified. And they think, oh no, what are we going to do? We're meant to be looking after this rabbit. And so it's only a white one. So what they do is they do the classic thing of they go around all the pet shops and they find one with the all white and pink eyed and stuff and they get it and they think this is the one and, and they bring it back and they put it in the bin, this other one, and they just hope it's okay. Anyway, the family comes back from holiday and goes into the garden and lets out this almighty scream. No, they know. They come back and they sort of say, well, what's the matter? What's the matter? They say, look, you're not going to believe it. We didn't tell you before we went on holiday. But our rabbit died the day before we went on holiday. 
we buried it in the back garden. And so what's happened is their bull terrier dog has nipped in next door, dug up this rabbit. They think it's some miracle taking place. Amazing. Now the thing is, you see circumstances and sometimes you think you know what's going on. And you start making decisions on what you think it's all about. Do you know that New Day is not the only place that you hear sermons? Actually, your church is not the only place that you hear sermons. Every single day, every film you watch, every, every show you see on telly, every YouTube clip, every music video you see, that's a sermon. That's a sermon with pictures, that's a sermon with music, that's a sermon portraying something that they see as important, putting forth values and ideas. So whether good or bad, sermons are being preached. Let's just talk about some of the things that this generation has taught us about relationships and relationship goals. Well, Disney's taught us that one day my prince will come. You know, one day that your true love will appear, that your soulmate will be there and you'll live happily ever after. That's what Disney's taught us. EastEnders has taught us that you can go to heaven by being nice. Hollywood has taught us that there's no consequences for jumping in and out of bed with one another, that it's all going to be all right. And X Factor's taught us that your life can be worthwhile if you're pretty, can hold a tune and have a grandmother recently die. <laughs> Listen, we've got a generation that is being rooted and established in lies, in rubbish, in sentimentality that sounds nice on the outside but is worthless and meaningless. Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, prays for his friends on a mission in a hostile environment that they be rooted and established in the things that God says. So we're going to look at sex, we're going to look at marriage, and we're going to look at soulmates, all right? So sex. And I'm under no illusion that you've come through those doors because you thought I was a good preacher. Sex was mentioned even in passing, so you thought you'd come in and listen. I know, I know that. Let me just say right at the beginning, sex is good. Okay, it's, it's, it's great. Absolutely brilliant. And there's all sorts of temptations that come around sex because it's a wonderful gift of God. Like, like the devil doesn't come and tempt you with things like, ooh, eat broccoli. He doesn't. He, he, he tempts you to abuse things that are nasty. He, he tempts you with things that are good. And the thing is, let me give you a top tip about, about how to handle yourself with sex. And let me say it right publicly at the beginning. Be different. Be different to what this generation is putting forward. You must be different. You can't think that you can kind of somehow compromise and get alongside and people are going to respect every single thing. You're going to be challenged every step of the way. But we've been called to follow Jesus, not follow Disney. Be different. What others think about me, well, that's none of my business. I'm not a Facebook page. You haven't got to like me. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people think. You be different. You stand up and be different. And can I talk to the young men particularly? Fellas, we have got to lead the way in this. 
We've got to lead the way in purity. We've got to lead the way. Don't be discipled by Drake. Don't be discipled by all these nutters that are out there with loads of money and loads of birds around them thinking that that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to reflect Jesus. Young men, grow up. Take responsibility fearlessly. Be faithful. Treat younger women as sisters. I'm going to introduce you to my, to my wife in a little while and you're going to see her and your first reaction is going to be, yeah, he's punching above his weight. I know that. I know that. But I'm going to introduce you and you're going to see, we're going to talk about like our marriage a little bit and a little bit about how we were dating before we were married. Um, but what this culture says about relationships is that you basically... You know, like, marriage is okay, you know, but you can sort of try sex out before you... Listen, isn't it surely it's better if you sort of live together before you get married? Surely you've got to find out if you're compatible with one another. Surely you've got to work out if you're able to sort of live with one another, if the sex is good. What happens if you spend the rest of your life with someone and you don't get on and all this? And Listen, it don't work. You, you, you try that, it just doesn't work. You know what, there's a 46% higher likelihood of you ending your marriage in divorce if you've been living together before you were married. 46%. Why? Why doesn't it work? Because it's selfish. It's totally, you're talking about compatibility like it's some kind of consumer relationship. You don't test drive a marriage like a car. It's totally different. You can't, there's no dress rehearsal for marriage. When you live with someone, it's totally different to when you actually uh, commit yourself to someone. There's There's a builder that gave us this confession once about he was driving home. From, from work and then as he was driving down this, this road this cat ran out in front of his car and he hit it and he, he felt terrible and he looked in his rear view mirror and there's this cat in the curb right and it's just laying there and it's just his head was moving and that and he thought oh no I've killed it I can't like I can't let it just sort of suffer there so he gets out the van and 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 he looks at this poor thing and he thinks I've got to put it out of his misery so he, he gets a shovel out the back of the car out the back of the van, and he goes up and he whacks this cat and kills it. They just splats it, right, and, and then scoops it out and puts it to the side of the road and then just has a little moment. And then, you know, no one sees, and he gets back in the car and he, he drives off. He thinks, what else can I do? Anyway, he's driving about 100 yards further down the road and he hears this thump, thump, thump. And then he gets out and then he looks in the wheel arch of the van and the actual cat that he's run over, he's stuck in the wheel arch. There's two cats. Can you imagine that poor old granny that's on her veranda doing a knitting, watching this nutter pull up out of a van, club her little cat to death, and then drive off? It's two separate cats. Listen, living together and marriage is two separate things. Two separate things. People say, oh, it's all about the commitment. You don't need a bit of paper. It's just a piece of paper after all. Well, go and get one. If, if it's just a bit of paper, go and get one. 
Should make any difference to you, should it? Of course it makes a difference. Marriage is totally different to just living with someone. You cannot know the depths of vulnerability and freedom when you've got your exit plan already worked out. What happens is when you, when you live with someone, when you're sleeping with someone, and you've got like, you're trying to test things out, you've got these exit strategies, so you cannot imagine that, that the other person doesn't feel the freedom to actually give yourself wholly unless you've committed yourself before God to something far greater than just to your feelings to one another. Let me talk a little bit about marriage. Marriage is good for you. Marriage is brilliant. It is fantastic when it's pointing to something beyond itself. And you may be sitting here thinking, listen, mister, I'm, I'm 14 years old. I've come up to New Day to sing to Jesus, to meet with my friends, and maybe kill a few Pokemons on the way, but I don't need to know about marriage, all right? But I want to tell you this. Listen, even as a single, you can honour marriage. You can honour marriage. And I want to tell you the reason you should be honouring marriage. Because the primary reason for marriage is this. It reflects Jesus' love for his people. Marriage is not an end in itself. Marriage is a means to reflect something far greater than to endorse tingly feelings between two individuals. Marriage is far bigger than so you don't feel guilty about sleeping one another. It's massive. It's bigger. It's greater. It reflects God's love for us. And you may think, well, it's all right for you. You're an old geezer. You've been married a long time. And I have. I've been in next September. I've been married for 23 years. Yeah, baby. That's worth a thing. Yeah. Can I say you ought to clap my wife twice as hard because she's put up with me. 20, I mean, all right, I was joking, I was joking. Ain't all been bad, but. And so why have they asked an old geezer to get up and talk about marriage? I want to tell you this, because I can stand here now with two decades worth of experience and say, listen, this works, okay? This This works. About 20 years ago, me and my wife were asked to stand on a, on a similar stage in front of a room full of 15 to 18-year-olds and to talk about how we dated. We, we were newly married and we talked about how we had, had uh, uh, conducted ourselves when we, were, when we were going out. And we dropped this little bombshell, which even then was a bombshell, was this. When we were going out, we decided that if the Scriptures is true and that we're to treat each other as younger sisters and, and, and sisters and brothers, then we decided that we were going to live differently to the world around us. We wanted to honour Jesus in the way that we live. So we decided we were not going to kiss before we were married. Controversial. You think, oh yeah, it's okay back in the days when everything was black and white. It wasn't hard then. Listen, people mocked us back then. People thought there was something wrong with me. They say, what, are you a puff or something? They thought that there was something wrong. They thought that, why, what's up with you? Actually, do you know what? We decided that we were going to be different, that we were going to live a life. And this was our logic, okay? If we weren't going to marry one another, then basically I was taking out someone's future wife. 
Okay, and I wanted to treat them as I wanted my future wife to be treated by someone else. But also, if we were going to get married, then do you know what? We were going to have plenty of time to make up the lost time. And I stand before you 23 years down the road, five kids so far. (laughs) This works. This really works. Listen, I'm not saying it's all been perfect and my kids, um, I think they're all here, they will tell you that it's not that we never have arguments, that we never have struggles and all this sort of stuff, but if it was just down to us, we'd be stuffed, but we want to reflect Jesus and his love for the church. It's, it's, it's the marriage that keeps the love going, not love that keeps the marriage going. And actually, in times over those years, we have proved that what God says is true. Relationship goals, surely, has got to be about more than just pretty selfies, isn't it? Listen, I know I'm old. Back in my day, selfie sticks were called friends. Uh, Listen, listen, I've got pants older than some of you. I know that. I know that. But this is eternal truths. They work. It really works. Listen, if you're just hoping that you're going to find someone, this is how it goes, isn't it? You think of like a future marriage partner or you think of someone you want to go out with. You line up 10 people and then you think, oh, okay, well, eight of them look ugly. I don't like them. And you just hope to goodness that the two of them left, that I've got something about them that love Jesus and that you get on with. you sort of distracted by that which is superficial and forget that which is eternal. Sex is a means to selflessly give yourself to someone. It's not about you, it's about them. And the difference between, like, uh, marriage is a covenant, okay? Marriage is a covenant, it's a promise, it's a deep thing, it's not a contract. A contract says this, says, a contract says, I will, like, I will do this if you do that. And it's like a deal. It's like you might as well get, walk up the aisle and shake hands and say, right, I'll keep my end of the bargain if you keep your end of the bargain. That's a contract. A covenant is this. It's like, I will do, I will keep my end of the bargain even if you don't. Even if you run away. Even if you are unfaithful. Even if you don't meet my needs. Even if you don't do this or don't do that. I will love you. I will cherish you. I will protect you. I will be there for you. And in that way, we reflect Christ's love for his people. We as humanity ran away from God on our honeymoon, basically. We ran away from God. We said, yeah, God, I know what you want, but I want that apple. Listen, God faithfully pursued us and loved us and kept his end of the bargain even though we didn't. He is faithful. He is faithful. My last point is about soulmates. And I'm going to introduce you now to someone that uh, actually, I love her to death, but she's not my soulmate actually. But it's my great privilege. Can you really embarrass her with a huge round of applause? My wife, Rach. Hey. 
So, hashtag relationship goals. Okay, that actually in itself, to, have, to aim for a relationship, as what Tom's been saying, it could be that that's what you've come to New Day for. That could be, this is my goal for New Day. I'm going to find a girlfriend. I'm going to find a boyfriend. Um, but you know what? You're going to be disappointed. If you've come here to seek out, yes, God has made us for relationships. He has gave, given us those hormones and tingly feelings. But, but I just wanted to share something that has really helped me personally to aim higher. We want to aim higher. And even, even, even if you've been married for a while, even if you are in a relationship, a good relationship, um, things can happen. Things can change. Uh, people can die. You, you know, people get ill. So it is so good to have something that is deeper and, and better. So I just wanted to share this. It's a bit out of um, Psalm 45, actually. It's something I've really personally found really helpful. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit of this. And this, actually, D- Disney didn't get it all wrong. So um, I asked my little girls, I've got four girls, um, and I said to them the other day, you know, what do you think about Disney, Prince Charming and these guys um, that come and rescue the princess? And um, what does it make you feel like? And they said, um, it makes me feel like, my eight-year-old, eight-year-old said, it makes me feel like there's someone out there who will love me and protect me and look after me. And, um, and uh, I think as well, with, um, with, this, with this psalm, this is actually a wedding song, and it's about the king. And this king is Jesus, and he is amazing in this psalm. And um, I love this. It's one of my favorites. I'm just going to read you a little bit. So he is like this gallant hero coming to us. It says here, it says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. It says, You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Okay, Jesus, he is the most excellent of men. Okay, girls, if you want a standard to aim for, go for Jesus. He's the excellent. He's the most excellent of men. Okay? Um, and it says this. It says, his lips are anointed with grace. So if you've come here with your chat-up lines already for the girls, a bit of smooth talk in there. I've got something, actually. I found this in my son's bedroom when I was cleaning. <laughs> Embarrass him now. <laughs> The world's greatest pickup lines. <laughs> okay, he doesn't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever used any, but, um, but I just, I'll read you a couple of these actually. It says, Are you Greek? Oh, my mistake. I thought all goddesses were Greek. And this one it says, Have you ever played naked leapfrog? <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> Embarrass him, seriously. I don't know. I think he got it out of a cracker or something. He didn't actually buy them. <laughs> anyway, I don't think he's used them. But I was just going to say, if you come here with smooth talking, girls, run a mile. Run a mile from smooth talking. Okay? Um, yeah, chat up lines. Jesus' lips are anointed with grace. If you want someone to speak nice to you, treat you well, you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus. He's your king. He's your lover and your friend. Okay, and he, know, he knew how to talk to women in the Bible. So, you know, you can, you, can, you can go away from here and read up how he addressed women in the Bible, how he treated other girls. 
And um, you, wouldn't ha- you wouldn't find him going up to the Samaritan woman at the well saying, hi, um, what's this nice Samaritan girl looking, doing here at a well like this? So, no, he wouldn't do things like that. So, he is amazing. His lips are anointed with grace. He speaks truth to you. Okay, Jesus treats you better, always. Okay, okay. Then verse 3 says, Gird up your sword, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. So, also, if you've come here, if you're nice trainers, your nice Nike Rochers or Ferrero Rochers, whatever they're, um, um, then, you know, girls, just remember, Jesus is clothed with splendor and majesty. He knows how to dress. He knows how to do it. He is the mighty king here in this passage. He is the king in splendor. He is lovely and amazing. So, yeah. Anyway, you're perfecting your little swagger there. Then just remember that, your New Day swag of, um, yeah, strutting your stuff around. Jesus is, is here. And he is clothed in splendor and majesty. It says, in your majesty, verse 4, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Okay, truth. You guys, as Tom has been saying, you've been bombarded with lies. You're bombarded with lies every single day. And um, um, when we were teenagers, it used to be the TV, used to be other stuff. But it's in your face. It's right here in your bed. You know, you're bombarded with lies all around you every day. So you need to work hard at telling yourself truth. This generation needs to work hard at telling yourself truth. Okay? And this is about Jesus. Jesus is full of truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is faithful and true. Okay? And it says that he, he rides, rides in majesty on the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Okay, this is what you will need to aim for. You need to aim for someone who will stand up for what's right, who will stand up for justice. Okay, verse 7 says, Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Now, I love this. Now, I've had to put up with his jokes for a long time, and um, we've had fun times, but do you know, Jesus is always happy. He's happy, okay? People think sometimes God is telling you don't do this and don't do that. Jesus delights in you and he's happy. He's happy. He is anointed with the oil of joy. So he's good to be around. He's good company. He's good company. Yeah. So, and verse 10 particularly, I'm going to skip to verse 10, which um, I would say particularly to the girls. This is for the guys as well. This is kind of, this is the one you need to, be. this is your example basically, you need to aim to be like Jesus. And then the girls are aiming for this as well. So, good. Um, it's all good. <laughs> no, anyway, so yeah, verse 10. This is um, my, one of my favorite verses. Is this, listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. Which means someone's taking you by the face. I have to do this to my little girl sometimes. Look at me. Listen. Listen to me. Okay. It says, forget your people and your father's house, for the king is enthralled with your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. He is the one you need to be looking to and getting all your self-worth from. 
You know, not anyone thinks of you, it's Jesus thinks you're wonderful and beautiful and amazing. Okay, it says, honor him for he is your Lord. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to say a little bit about how I became a Christian. Um, um, so, I went to church as a kid, some of you um, probably have as well. Um, until I was a teenager, I kind of believed there was a God that loved me, believed there was a God out there that made everything. Um, and I, when I was 17, 18, um, I started to think, I'm going to just do my own thing, see the world, um, come back to God when I've lived a bit and stuff. And, um, and then I kind of lived for the weekends. I ended up just getting dressed up, going out, thinking that was what I was doing with my life. Um, then... Suddenly, something happened. Um, I, okay, so just skipping back. Um, so I, I think I messed up. I ended up making some bad choices before that. End up with wrong relationships, um, and end up you end up getting hurt through that. And then you end up thinking, well, no one. You become defensive after a while. You think, actually, I'm not going to let anyone hurt me. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm in control of everything. You know, I was just like, by the time I was like 19, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. And then suddenly, one one night when I was 19, um, my dad just came in. He was trying to fix the car, and he he um, he just lay on the kitchen floor, literally lay down on the kitchen floor, and he was having a heart attack. To cut a long story short, he was having a heart attack, and um, my mum was there, and we'd called the ambulance and waiting for the ambulance to come, and my dad stopped breathing. And then my mum tried to give him mouth-to-mouth, resuscitate him. Anyway, he got taken off to the hospital, and I was left there feeling like really desperate. Something had happened to me that was way out of my control and that I couldn't do anything about. And I suddenly felt so humbled and I felt so small and thinking, what was I doing trying to do my thing without God? And I felt really humbled. And I, I felt like I needed someone to intervene for me. So I, I wanted someone to pray. I was really desperate. So I looked in my mum's um, address book. And I remembered this guy that used to have like a ministry of praying and healing people years before. And I thought, if I can find him, then um, someone can intervene. And um, so I'd, I looked in the address book. And I found the last number that there was. And you know, there was like this dead tone I rang the number and it was like beep, you know what? And it rang in my head as if I was trying to reach God. But you know, I felt too guilty to come to God. I felt guilty. I knew I wasn't living right. I just felt too guilty to come to Jesus. So I suddenly realised, and I had heard, like some of you, about Jesus dying on the cross for me, for, for, for from a kid. You know, I'd heard about it and I'd heard about it, heard about it. And kind of liked that. I, I liked it, but it hadn't really meant anything. A penny hadn't dropped for me. And in that moment, when I heard that beep in my head, the penny dropped. This is why Jesus died for me. This is why Jesus came. He came to take me to, to God. He came to pay that price. He came. He intervened for me because I felt guilty. I couldn't do it myself. I suddenly realized that Jesus died for me and I just was so overwhelmed and so like broken really I went outside the front of my house and said I can't do this and I literally threw my hands in the air and said here Jesus here's my life and I surrendered to him 
in that moment. And I felt like suddenly this amazing sense of relief happens, like when you slump down physically in a big armchair like that. That happened, but inside, and I felt like, oh, someone has lifted me out of a rat race, as if someone picked me up and put me back down, a different person. And I can honestly say to you, I've not looked back then, and yeah, I know I was in a relationship at the time, and I just finished it straight away. I knew it wasn't right, and I just didn't want it. I didn't want that life anymore. I wanted to live for Jesus. But I can tell you, this this has helped me so much, this psalm, to, to know that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus is for you. I tell my little girls, I said, don't let boys flatter you. Jesus is jealous for you. He wants you. He loves you. He's got good plans for your life. He's, he's the best. He, he's the bestest. Um, my little girl says, the winnest. He's the winnest. So, um, yeah, Jesus has won it. And to be loved by God the Father, we have a Father in heaven. I lost my earthly dad, but I gained amazing heavenly dad there that day. And I tell you, you have to know that you're loved by, by your Father in heaven. You have to know that. You must know that. Don't go away from New Day not knowing you have an amazing Father in heaven who loves you and is for you and is encouraging you and really cares about you. He loves you better than anyone else. So run to him always. Let him be your standard. Let him be your your aim. And this is the, I was just saying, Jesus, he brings you. It says in 1 Peter 3 that Jesus died, uh, um, I can't remember the exact quote, Jesus died, he was unjust, the unjust death to bring you to God. Christ died for us to bring you to God. And it's him who brings you back into the relationship that you were created for. This is the relationship goal of all time. And this is Jesus. It's having your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so go for that. Okay, so just to, uh, to, to finish up, in fact, uh, do you want to come up? and uh, We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship God. We're going to come to the one who is the king of all kings, the, the champion of all, the one that is the standard that we want to live by, you see, it's not about you. Sex, marriage, relationships, it's not actually about you. They're gifts to point to something with greater dignity. It's not like, oh, heaven is, is a bit like, it's, it's a bit like sex. It's, it's not. Do you know what? Sex and the very best of marriages are a pale reflection of that which God has got promised for us. It's so much bigger. It's not about us. So when Rachel's talking about losing her earthly father, we can think of God the Father as, oh, he's, he's like my father but doesn't get grumpy or something like that. No, the best of fathers is a pale reflection of the great father who sits in heaven. Do you know what? God loves relationships. God in and of himself is a relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when we are married, when, 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 when sex within marriage is, is, is used appropriately and stuff, it reflects something far greater than just us. It reflects him. When husbands lay their lives down for their wives, it reflects Christ's love for his people. He cares for you. He, he wants plans for you. He's not some cosmic killjoy up there telling you, you mustn't do it, it's dirty. 
The world thinks that they know what we think. The, the, the standards of the entire world are trying to sort of press us into a box and say we're narrow and, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's kind of wrong and, and, and all this. Listen, it's our privilege to reflect God. It's our privilege to reflect Christ's love for his people in the way we relate to one another, in the way that we honour marriage, in the way that even if we're single, we honour marriage and we look to that day when our prince will truly come, when the one anointed, whose lips are anointed with grace, the champion of all, he's the one we're looking to. Can I invite you to stand? Let me pray. Jesus, you know every single heart here. You know the stuff we're bombarded with day in, day out. You know every single circumstance that is represented here. You know all the families, all the good families, all the bad families. You know things we've done where we're proud of ourselves. You know things we've done where we're deeply ashamed. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and draw a line under everything that's gone before. Holy Spirit, we pray that this would be a moment where we can set our faces like flint to the one who loves us, who gave himself entirely, who spared nothing to reveal his love for us. Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your patience. Give us revelation, oh God, that it's all about you, Lord Jesus. Amen.